Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Zombie getting you right with a little bit of more human than human. A little throwback, super sexy swing of sounds. Consequently, that's what we're going to be doing today on McChesney Unchained. This is McChesney Unchained, episode 8, coming to you from 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness, Colorado's premier training facility. Whether you're looking to lose weight, train for a particular sport, go play college football, learn the game of football, use the training room. Become more human than human. <laughs> Get your ass to 6-0-Strength, 6-0-Strength.com. Check it out. This is McChesney Unchained, episode 8. Shut up, Rob. I'm your host, Matt McChesney, and we are rolling on a great show. We've got a big one for you today. The great Joel Klatt uh, from Fox Sports College Football Broadcast, their lead analyst, joins us on the show for a good almost 30-minute interview uh, on everything from college football to rules to refing to, you know, pay for play to, the you know, the Red River rivalry that he is calling this weekend to the Buffs and their hot start at 4-0. So, uh, you know, get your mind right for that. Joel Klatt joins us later in the show. Uh, on Episode 9, we're going to have my former coach, the great Gary Barnett, joining us. Uh, and later in the week, next week, Jake the Snake Plumber will be in studio here at 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness uh, to join us on Episode number 10. Uh, remember that you can always go and download the show on iTunes, all right, and subscribe. Please do give us a rating, uh, give us a little bit of a review, and let us know what you think about the show. We understand that it's a little bit different than what you've been listening to, and that's kind of the fucking point. Um, download it, tell your friends, uh, subscribe on whatever platform you use, whether it's iTunes or whatever, uh, follow the show at BSN McChesney Unchained on Twitter and follow, uh, the gym at six zero strength on Twitter and Instagram for any and all things, uh, concerning training and the studios and everything we do here and everything I got my, uh, my hand in. All right, so let's roll. Right off the bat, man, um, we'll get into college football, okay? Uh, well, well, ne- never mind. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pump your brakes, Matt. Pump your brakes. All right, so the Wearband Warriors 
goes to the damn Colorado Rockies. All right, go to wearbands.com, check out the videos and the, the training system that is. My man Dan Schreiber built an incredible training system from the booties up. The wearband system is incredible. Uh, we sell it here at Six Zero Strength. I highly recommend it for all lateral athletes, anybody that pushes off the inside of their foot, which is everybody. Um, I, I put my O-lineman in it all the time. I put my D-lineman in it, all of our fighters. It's an incredible tool. You can see a bunch of videos at wearbands and also at Six Zero Strength uh, on Twitter and Instagram. There's a bunch of stuff, and you can see how it's used. If you use the promo code 6020, you'll get a 20% discount on your purchase. I highly recommend it. Check it out. The Wearband Warriors goes to the Colorado Rockies. Unbelievable game. All right. I'm, I like baseball. I can't play it because I can't see left. It's kind of hard to hit the ball when there's three of them being thrown at you. Um, <clears throat> I don't run, I don't drive NASCAR either. Consequently, shockingly, um, 13 innings, longest game in postseason history and in the history of Wrigley field. That means something, uh, you know, Guys coming out of nowhere to make plays to win the game. Freeland going out there and pitching his ass off and being the ace that they needed. The ability to shake off a very disappointing loss at the Dodgers for the West crown, something the Rockies have never done, and still go to Chicago and beat a team that has won a World Series and was in the playoffs last year and has a lot of veterans and guys that have done it. And the Rockies, man, are scary. They, they are playing on just momentum and, and will. The Brewers are a damn good team. I watched them play against the Cubs the day before. Uh, they won the they won the Central, so they're they're pretty damn good. Um, they got dudes all over the place, and they can bring it. So, you know, it, it's a big time atmosphere for the Rockies. I'm going to be watching tonight. They're the Wearband Warriors, man. Unbelievable season, gentlemen. Now let's let's go to the series. Rocktober has begun. Uh, I'm jacked. Uh, too bad the Yankees won last night because I'm an Ace fan, too. That sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, so, Rockies, congratulations. Make sure you guys go check out Wearbands at Wearbands.com. 6020 for a 20% discount. All right, college football time. All right, so right off the bat, Bama plays Arkansas, okay? And then the next, I think, until number five, LSU at number 22, Florida. The top four of just cupcakes. Ohio State plays Indiana. Like Clemson goes to Wake Forest. whoop de doo Georgia has Vandy. They're going to crush them. Uh, Bama goes to Arkansas. Arkansas lost to North Texas at home. They got beat by CSU and Fort Collins. That's going to be an absolute slaughter. The top four is not going to change this week. But when you get to number five, all right, number five is LSU at Florida. And this... It's it's a little bit of a rivalry. They don't like each other none too much. They had some, some big games back in the day, and this is another one. Uh, Dan Mullen has Florida trending up. I'm not going to say rolling, but they're trending up. Ed Orjohn has LSU looking really good. They beat a ranked Miami team. They went to Auburn and beat War Eagle at home. That's not easy to do. He's got his kids thinking like they're disrespecting and nobody thinks that they can play. He That's how he operates. Everybody thinks he can't coach and he just keeps doing a good job. LSU's the perfect job for Ed. Um, the, his guys love him. This is another statement for LSU. And if they keep winning all these games against ranked opponents, it's going to mean something. So, you know, it, they have Georgia on their schedule. They have Alabama on their schedule. They still have to go play A&M. You know, they're they're an, an SEC West team, so they've got some dudes on their schedule. If LSU keeps winning, they're a serious playoff contender. I'm going to take the Tigers on the road in this game. I think that LSU goes to the Swamp and gets it done, although Florida is getting better. 
Um, all right, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is Jacqueline Hyde. I don't know what to expect from them. They went on the road last week and molly Wapped a ranked Duke team uh, that David Cutcliffe has got rolling. That program is on the up big time. It's an, an awesome place to uh, to go play college football these days. They got a couple offers out to guys in this room uh, that train here. Reese Atterbury is offered by Duke, so that's pretty cool. Um, Virginia Tech, could they win this game? Yeah. It's in Blacksburg. It's big time. It's Saturday night football. Kirk Herbstreet and Fowler will be there. Game day's there. It's big time. Uh, Notre Dame is damn physical, though. But, you know, that, that defense, Bud Foster's defense at Virginia Tech, they are notorious for stepping up in big moments and playing their asses off. And this is an opportunity to go shock the world and get back into the conversation of relevancy because a lot of people are pretty – yeah, Virginia Tech's good, but they can also go and get beat by Old Dominion. So you don't know who's going to show. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to win this football game. Notre Dame showed me something when they mopped Stanford up like that, how physical they were. Uh, Notre Dame is a very good football team. Um, they developed the hell out of front seven talent, which I respect. And I, I think that Notre Dame goes on the road and gets a big win in Blacksburg and keeps rolling, and Notre Dame's another you know playoff contending school. You could have, like... A bunch of teams with one loss, an undefeated Notre Dame team, and they could still be ranked fifth. They got to change the playoff, man. Joe Klatt, we, we talk about how you know the parity and how many college football teams are good. So that interview's coming up. So hold on to your ass. Uh, the next game, Kentucky, an undefeated Kentucky with Snell, their running back, he's got a huge chip on his shoulder. Love the way that kid plays. Lucky ranked number thirteen, going to A and M. Now Kentucky hasn't played at A and M since the fifties. When Bear Bryant, right before he went to A&M from Kentucky, before he was even in Alabama, um, even though they're both in the SEC, it's weird how that happens. Um, although A&M was in the Big 12 for, I don't know, ever, and in the Southwest Conference, so that's probably why. Great stat. Um, but still, Kentucky going to A&M, I know that they've played at Florida before, and they've been here and there, and so on and so forth. They've been to Georgia every year, but they've never seen anything like Kyle Field. That place is an absolute just uh, – it's one intimidating place. They played there twice in college. We lost in double, triple overtime my senior year there. It was heartbreaking. You know, it's an awesome play to pl- place to play college football, and I, Kentucky has a chance to win. I don't think they do. Uh, it's, one, it's my upset pick. Uh, one of the two upset picks of the weekend here uh, is – Kentucky going on the road to A&M and taking that L. So although Kentucky is pretty good, I think that they're a good football team that will make a bowl game and probably be ranked all year. They're going to lose at A&M, and they're not going to win the SEC East, although the story's nice. All right, next, Florida State and Miami. Uh, great rivalry game. As, you know, Back in the day, this game meant a lot. Um, when Florida State was relevant and not shitting down their leg at every turn and playing awfully. But they have a great uh, quarterback in DeAndre Francois, and he's a tough kid. He takes it on the chin all the time. His offensive line is terrible. He hasn't been protected since the day he walked in the door there. I mean, if I'm DeAndre Francois' parents, I might be suing Florida State for, I don't know, just a total lack of being competent. And pass protection and my kid going to get killed. I, I don't know. Talk to the lawyer about what, however you want to phrase it. But 
damages. That's what you need. You need to get damages because your kid's getting killed, man, for real. He gets just massacred every weekend. And he still stands in there and delivers the ball. He's got a huge arm. He's very athletic. He's showing me a lot. If I'm an NFL scout, I'm looking at that kid and going, I like him a lot, even though Florida State's not very good. That's why I think I like him even more because he's that tough and that tough-minded to go out there and keep throwing it and, and rifling it and giving this team a chance to win. Uh, that said, I think Florida State does beat the U. Uh, the Miami's up and down. I don't like the teams that they've beaten. Uh, LSU beat the hell out of them to start the season. I think Florida State, you know, a, a huge moment for Florida State and, and, and uh, Willie Taggart, their new head coach, trying to change the narrative there a little bit. I think that they go and beat Miami in Miami, and that rivalry is rekindled a little bit. All right, next, uh, Texas and Oklahoma in the Red River shootout or Red River rivalry, however you want to call it. Okay, uh, Joel Klatt, my man Joel Klatt, calls that game this weekend. We're going to get to his interview here in, in the next couple of minutes, uh, and we'll wrap up our college football talk, and then when we're done with him, I'll give you my breakdown of Arizona State and CU. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas always plays Oklahoma tight in this game, regardless of who's ranked higher. Uh, Oklahoma had Texas number for a long time in this football game, but that's not the case anymore. This is a toss up. Kyler Murray is an absolute freak. I like Texas and what Tom Herman's doing, but I just think Oklahoma's on a roll. I'm going to take Oklahoma in the Red River shootout here and, you know, we'll see what happens, but this is going to be a great game. It's on Fox, so make sure you tune in and watch Joel Clad. He's got the call for it, and uh, he joined us here uh, from Six Zero Studios at Six Zero Strength and Fitness. I'm McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. This is our interview with Joel Clatt. Uh, remember to follow Joel on Twitter at Joel Clatt. Follow the show at BSN McChesney Unchained. So here's the interview with Mr. Joel Clatt. We'll be right back on the other side of this to talk about CU and Arizona State. And it is our pleasure to bring in my ex-teammate. I guess if you're an ex-teammate, you're always a teammate. A guy that I was a captain with, and you can see him as the head analyst for Fox College football every single Saturday. Uh, The quarterback for the Colorado Buffaloes, Mr. Joe Klatt. Uh, Joel, welcome to McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. What's up, brother? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's uh, it's awesome to have you on the show and get your perspective on all things college football and the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, first and foremost, we saw the feature on Friday night that you did uh, with Coach Barnett and Sean Tufts, our ex-teammate, and Rick George, the AD at CU currently. Um, it, a lot of it had to do with mental health and suicide prevention and, you know, losing Rashawn and Drew Walrus and Ryan Johannemeyer and so many other guys over the last couple of years. It's a point of contention, to say the least. Uh, you got to ask the questions in that interview. If you could, I know the listeners would be uh, interested, but just elaborate on, on a little bit of what Coach Barnett said and Sean and uh, Rick George. Well, yeah, I think so. First and foremost, I think you have to understand the genesis of this and and the genesis of this whole program and this initiative was born out of uh, frustration and really from us matt you know guys like you and i i'm one of them who yeah who who are tired of you know waking up one day and and getting a call from a guy that we haven't talked to in years and and rather than um, you know, hey, how you doing? How's your family? What's going on? It is, hey, we lost somebody. And it just, 
right? I mean, it just it gives me goosebumps, just, bud. Like I, I, I just I've had this conversation with you on the phone, like yes, like and, with and, about Drew. I don't even know yeah. what was it eight months ago. I, I, yeah, I just had this and, conversation with you, and and it was just you know that was obviously a tipping point to to the. We just got to do better, you know, and, and or more. I, I don't know if it's better or more or both, but that was the genesis of this. And, and candidly, you know, the Buffs for Life organization was formed for a little bit, well, not even a little bit, but a very different purpose, and it was serving its purpose very well. Um, but there was this organization that all of us were somewhat attached to that could organize, get funded, and maybe take a little bit of a different direction, and 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 all of us really were behind that, and and said, yeah, that's a great idea. And so, you know, th- that's when the the organization went from being really John Embry's brainchild to some more people, whether it's Lisa Van Gore or Coach Barnett or Brian Cabral or Sean Tuff, started getting involved and in saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take it a little bit different direction and what it's going to center around now is the connections between former buffs rather than just the support of former buffs financially for a specific buff that is in need that given calendar year um and and so and and you know a guy that i'm sure you and i never thought would be like spearheading something like this but sean (laughs) yeah it's crazy but he's the perfect guy for it he really is and and not only is he so connected but he's he's extremely smart and understands what needs to happen from a connectivity standpoint and, and he genuinely and, cares about his friends you know this Joel like he's one of no the guys doubt. like if if you're hurting and you need somebody to carry you Tufts is the one carrying you yeah there's no doubt and he was like that as a teammate and and he has certainly been like that um now kind of throughout his life so so that's that's what's happened, and, and Gary got involved. Coach got involved because you know it's near and dear to his heart. You know he had a foundation that was in a suicide prevention type of type of mold, so he understands this very well. Coach Cabral, uh, obviously losing Drew hurt him uh, uh, substantially, and so he's gotten involved so that we can try to bridge the gap so that Matt no longer will we ever have a teammate that goes through something alone we didn't have to do it as players and we don't have to do it now as grown men and and that is what this is all about connecting people finding purpose whether it's career or or family or whatever it is understanding when somebody is struggling understanding if somebody is in a position to help all of those different things those connection points are ultimately what's going to help us uh, in the objective of never again will we have the conversation like you and I have had on the phone about losing a teammate. Um, so that's that's that part of the equation. And then it didn't stop there, which was so um, amazing, is that Rick George, who I think is one of the best in the entire country, and I get to travel the country and talk to all the ADs out there, and Rick is, is phenomenal. He's incredible. And Rick said, why does this just have to be former Buffaloes? Why wouldn't we start plugging people in to not only train them in how to deal with mental health while they're in school, but also plug them into this process so that once they're out of Colorado, they have those connection points already built in order to support one another throughout their lives. And uh, so he started an initiative within the athletic department, and now it's gone across the campus called Boulder Buffaloes. 
And these are basically peer advocates that get trained by clinical psychologists, clinicians, if you will. And they are trained in just how to deal with their friends. You know, when a friend says, man, I'm struggling, you know, what do you say? How do you do it? And so these peer advocates are... And a guy, Nick Fisher, is a starting safety, is, is one of the peer advocates. Yeah, I know Fish well. Fish is, Fish is a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player. And, hell of a leader, too. Where's that C with pride? And he is a guy that is a peer advocate so that when a teammate says, man, you know, I'm having a hard time, he understands how to just sit there and be like, hey, man, tell me about it. Let me go through it with you. And Do you need it, any help? And, you know, with, with Rick George bringing that full circle and including current buffs, it's so smart because, bro, how many funerals did we go to in college? Too many. Brian Turner, oh, uh, Gabe, you know, Pete Friedrich, everybody. It, it's just it, it's it's a snowball effect, and thank God somebody's doing something about it. So, I mean, hats off to Sean and Coach Barnett and Rick George and the whole Buff community for standing up and, and doing something that needs to be done. Joel, thank you very much for taking the lead on this, man. It means a lot that – that you would uh, spearhead that as well, being in the position you're in, brother. So uh, it, it's big time, man. I, I, it inspires me to help out as much as I can, and I hope it inspires all Buffaloes out there to, to, to help their brethren. So keep it up, J.K. Thanks, brother. Well, listen, I can't, I can't take much credit at all. I'm, I'm just a guy that works at a place that was able to shoot a feature. So you are, you are the vessel, the vessel, Joel Klatt, uh, Joel Klatt joins us here on uh, BSN McChesney unchained. Remember, you can always check us out on Twitter at six zero strength on Instagram at six zero strength and on Twitter at BSN unchained. You can follow Joel Klatt at Joel Klatt. Uh, first of all, the Mars comment on the Michigan Notre or uh, Northwestern game. That was awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've never seen a, like I've never seen a running back hold himself. Right, and and like he threw the flag. The guy's not even responsible for that player. He throws a flag into the middle. I mean, it was just brutal. So it was just brutal. Okay, let me ask you. That, look, like, I can't control myself in the booth when an official makes an atrocious <laughs> call. I, I want to obliterate everything. I know and you too, and like, I I know how angry you get inside. <laughs> yes, and, and that was like the most constructive I could be. Like that was as PC as I could be. That is unbelievable, and I love that yes. you pause the believable, and I'm like. Okay, he's really angry. <laughs> uh, so do you think that the just refing is really hard these days, well, or is yeah, it just bad everywhere? The NFL is terrible, too. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of factors at play. So first and foremost, um, the rules committee, whether it's at the NFL level or at the collegiate level, uh, the rules committees very rarely get input from the officiating bodies themselves. And, and what they do is they just hand down these initiatives or these rules that can be incredibly hard to officiate. So I think it, it is right now harder to officiate the game than it ever has been before. Um, now, having said that, let's go to the college level. There is a, a, a huge chasm between the way that officiating should be set up and the way that it is set up right now every conference is essentially in charge of hiring and training their own officials okay so that's why there are big 12 pac-12 officials officials, officials and pac-12 officials and so on and so forth sec crew exactly and and it's also that way with the replay booth well here's the problem with that and 
And Matt, I go to all these officiating conferences in the offseason so that I can make sure I understand the rules and make sure I understand how they're trying to officiate them from a technical standpoint. And and here's the the thing that is most alarming to me is that you can see, and I've seen this, the exact same clip, okay, a, a, a clip shown on the video, and you can have one body of officials, let's call it Pac-12, say that they want to officiate it one way, and another body of official officials, let's call it the ACC, says they want to officiate it a different way. And, and targeting is a great example of that, but there's all sorts of different examples. And that's an issue. It's, it's why I've argued ad nauseum for an overarching governing body, if, nothing, if for nothing else, for officials. There should be college football officials rather than Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten, SEC, blah, blah, blah. Preach. You should have one overarching uh, body of officials so that we can train them with consistency. So that's part of the problem is that these officials watch other games across conferences and they get confused candidly about, well, what, you know, what did we want to do here? And so any indecision in the officiating community is going to foster what I think is inconsistencies. And the inconsistencies are when we, the fan base, start to get so upset because there's no way that we can watch the game with any level of belief or trust that what's going on in the field is what's actually supposed to be. Uh, what's going on on the field. And I agreed wholeheartedly that last night, Denver, Kansas City, the uh, the, the the play clock violation, the Cleveland Brown Raider game, I mean, the, the, the holding penalty in the Michigan Northwestern game. It happens in every game. There's a, there's a call that swings the tide, and I'm a conspiracy theorist anyway, bro, so I always think the worst. <laughs> the, delay of ga- the delay of game miss was egregious. Terrible. The back judge has one job. One job! Before the, before the ball is snapped. <sighs> one job. To stare at the clock. And, and, and then for him to say to Brandon Marshall, we dropped the ball in the middle of the game, like, dude, I don't need you to tell me that. I'm in the middle of a game-winning drive. Yeah, don't, don't need to hear that. And by the way, how is that not reviewable? Terrible. Terrible. How is that not challengeable? I don't know, man. In the last two minutes, like, what? When, what when, are you doing? When do you think, if ever, that the – and I understand the games are different in the NFL and college. They're just different. Do you ever think that there's going to be a concrete just rule book? Like, hey, these these uh, holding is illegal. A personal foul is a yeah. personal foul. You can't land on the quarterback in, in the pros, so you can't land on the quarterback in college. You can still yeah. annihilate the quarterback in college, and as long as you don't target him, it's fine. You yeah. can't do that in the league. No, you can't. And candidly, I feel like the league should have the, the college rule because I think what's going on right now, like you can't land oh, on the terrible. quarterback. I think it's ridiculous. It's terrible. Stupid. I've ran uh, you over before, and I and I, you think it's terrible. Yeah, I think it's terrible. Yeah, I've never had anybody talk more trash to me in my life. That didn't hurt. You, 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 never, you hit like I've a bitch. Been, You're like, yeah, well, I've, that's true. I've never been hit softer in my life. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So... Okay, so two factors on the, the let's call it the inconsistencies uh, between college and pro. There's two factors involved and at play. One is, is, is something that is really egregious, and the other is just stupid. Okay, so the first, and this is the stupid one, is that it's just ego. Stupid comes first, usually. Usually, yes. And, and it's just ego. It's a pissing contest. 
you know, the college guys think that they know better than the NFL guys. And the NFL guys look down at the college guys and they don't want to adopt that rule because it's like, well, they got it first. So it's going to feel like we're copying the, the college game. The college game doesn't want to copy the NFL. And, and it's, it's the dumbest ego trip. I mean, you should be at these officiating. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. It, it, yes, it's ridiculous. Now let's go to the more egregious one. And this is actually the one that's more at the heart of why college rules don't mirror the NFL. They want to maintain a stark difference in order to retain amateurism. It's a hundred percent. That's play. the fact that they want the, the more times that they adopt Ooh. the NFL style of anything, the more times people will say, well, isn't it just professional football? So they want this cloak. It's like it's like we want to maintain the shadows of amateurism and maintain our differences or else we're going to have to start paying players. That's 100% at play, and I think it's the more egregious fact. And, and I totally agree with you. It's egregious. Okay, so I've talked about this on every single episode of my podcast up to this point, every one of them, and I've talked about it on the radio countless times. What is stopping the, every college football player from not playing? Stop playing what's stopping everybody from just not playing they don't understand the power they have well who's going to organize that i don't i I don't know nick fisher yeah i that's so tough it's such a quick cycle that it's it's impossible to organize that if i mean (laughs) let's face it who would conduct um, a strike in the league the veterans yeah the the union yeah it wouldn't be all the third year guys saying like hey we need it'd be tom brady Sure it would. Yep. And and then they would basically be forcing the third-year guys and the second-year guys to strike. Even though I want to go to camp because I don't have any money. Right. Yes. And, and so, <laughs> and, and in college, like, there's, there's just no way to organize. The only way to organize players in college football is via their coaches. And the coaches will never organize them in order to get paid or get more of what is deserved to them. Because why? Because the coaches are the ones that are making all of the money. Okay, so paid entity in the entire thing. Oh God! Organize a group of people that would basically be stealing from them. So frustrating. So, so where do you see this going? Because the you you can't they they can't pull the cloak over everybody's eyes anymore. Everyone's awake. You're right, and and I don't believe it's paying them. And and let me explain to you what I might what I mean by this. Even if I were to pay for my own school, like I, I don't have a problem with paying for whatever you want me to do it, from a class perspective. If I get to choose, and that's, you're paying that's me, a, that's an interesting thought. That is an interesting thought. Here's what I think might be better: give the athletes their name and likeness back, just like the Olympic model. And it would be, I think, very easy to do because all you would have to do is set up under that overarching governing body that I said, basically a commissioner's office. You would have one PR firm, one advertising firm that would basically say, we are going to dole out the name and likeness money. And it's not going to be because your booster thinks that he can give you a Nike contract if you go to Oregon or this booster at Maryland because of uh, of the Under Armour contract. It wouldn't be shady because you would control it out of one body so all the companies go there and they say we want this player that player this one and then that body basically says okay here are the players that are going to get name and likeness money and then here are the ones that aren't and and that's just like the nfl 
and that's just like the NFL. And guess what? You don't Earn have it. to pay the backup punter the same amount that you're paying Kyler Murray. I really it's dig this idea. He doesn't deserve it. I'm running with this it. idea. That is a that's a gold idea right there, Joel Klatt. So you just earn you earn your movie check essentially. Yes. It's, <sighs> Shit, brother, I'm all about earning it. Name and likeness. It's it's very similar to the Olympic model. The Olympians are still considered to some degree amateur, but they own their own name and likeness so they can go under and, and Jeremy Bloom can get a deal with Oakley and, and Michael Phelps can do a deal with fast. Under Armour and so on and so forth. Man, the great Joel Klatt joins us here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Podcast Network. A couple more for you here, JK. Uh, you've got the Red River Rivalry or the Red River Shootout, as I'm going to call it here on the podcast, this weekend with Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma is... It looks like a pickup basketball team to me. I mean, I watched them against Baylor. They are so fast, and Kyler Murray is something. I've never seen anything like him before in my life. He looks like a shortstop throwing the ball. And then Texas is a ground-and-pound, defensive-playing, hard-nosed football team that went to Manhattan last weekend and got a big dub. What do you see going down here in the Red River rivalry? Well, Texas always plays well in this game, and they are one of the few defenses that gives Oklahoma uh, a hard time. In fact, they held them under 30 points last year, one of the few teams that uh, that was able to do that. In fact, I think maybe the only one. Uh, by the way, their defensive coordinator under Tom Herman the previous season was at Houston. Doing what? Beating Oklahoma. So they have a pedigree and a blueprint that really works against Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Um, now, the hard part is is that the players for the Sooners are incredible. Their outside threats, C.D. Lamb, a wide receiver, and Hollywood Brown are so fast. They're so good, and they're so skilled. And right now, Kyler Murray is throwing the ball about as well as anybody. In fact, you know, he only has 35 incompletions total and like 17 touchdowns or 15 touchdowns. I've it's never insane. seen anything like him before. It's insane. But here's the – Matt, you and I, like and, – and you as a defensive player in college, like – do you understand, like, okay, this guy can really hurt us with his feet? Or, man, this guy is is such a great passer. It was either Jason White or Brad Smith, yeah. Yes, yes, it was the either-or. Kyler is both. It's like, what in God's green earth do you do against Kyler Murray? Because <laughs> he is dangerous with his, with his feet, and he's throwing the ball about as well as anybody in the country. That's why he's in the Heisman Trophy race right now. So, it's going to be difficult for Texas, but Texas does uh, have that pedigree and that coaching staff that understands what it takes to not only slow down Oklahoma, but beat them like they did at Houston. And a lot of times it has to do with confusing the quarterback, giving them multiple different looks, and running simple concepts out of it. Very similar to like what an offense would do. An offense's whole deal is like, we're going to present you with a lot visually, and then we are going to execute just a few things for us that we can do really well. Well, Texas's defense has a very similar game plan, and normally that's backwards. Normally defenses line up very similar, and then they try to get multiple after the snap, and they try to uh, do that. Texas is the exact opposite. We're going to do a few things after the snap and present you with, with a lot visually before the snap, and it becomes really difficult for a quarterback and a play caller in Lincoln Riley that normally has a lot of success, but that's one of the reasons why they don't against, uh, against Texas. Well, Oklahoma and Texas is going to be a dogfight. It always is. <clears throat> Joe Klatt's on the call uh, on Fox College Football Broadcast, so make sure you tune into that one this weekend. Remember, you can follow Joel at Joel Klatt on Twitter for, honestly, the best college football coverage you can get. I mean, your opinions are right up there with, with – 
Herb Streets, in my opinion. You're the next. Appreciate that, man. The next guy in that arena, brother, so you keep it up. Uh, last thing I'll ask you here, uh, J.K., Joe and I played at CU together. He was a captain in 04 and 05. We both were captains together in 04, and part of a team that was the last team that won a bowl game there. Um, what do you think about CU quickly? You know, just just a, a three- to five-minute overview of your thoughts. The, the good players, they're 4-0, but their competition's 1-16. Arizona State's 3-2 coming into Folsom after putting 400 yards rushing on Oregon State. How do you think that's going to go Saturday? And give us your opinion on the bus before we get you out of here. Yeah, the thing that I'm most concerned about for, for Colorado is that they're not great against the run when teams can line up and be heavy. Um, and and so that's that's concerning. I think their offense is really good. I think Steven Montez is playing some of the best football that no one's talking about. In he's the killing in it. In fact, I think in four different games this year, he's had less than five incompletions. He's leading the country in, in, in uh, completion percentage. He's like 91 for 120, bro. He's 78.5%. My God. Better than Tua Tagovailoa right now. I mean, wow. 78% is just stupid. I. I threw like 63 in my career. I thought I was really accurate. This guy's 78. It's insane. So offensively, they can score and hang with anybody. What I'm concerned about is are you going to be able to line up and keep Arizona State from being on schedule, right? Is this going to be a slow death? Is this going to be Arizona running for a million yards last year? I think they're better on defense. I, I think that they are. I like their linebackers. I'm concerned about them up front because they just Me don't too. have monsters. Uh, having said that, like, I think LaVisca Chenault is a top three player in college football. Montez is playing as well as anybody out there. And they will be able to get into a shootout and win. And they are really good at home. So uh, I believe ASU is coming into to full speed. Yes, they are. It's a, a good thing. And if candidly, if I was Darren Shiverini, you know, what did we used to do against teams that, that maybe we were a little overmatched against, Matt? Control what the time there? of possession. And you control the time of possession and you do it with tempo. You know, and, and I think that's a that's a big deal for Colorado is is the ability to run the football out of the tempo um, and try to get the opposing defense tired snap the ball more than they snap the ball and, and look that that equation is a big equation i stood on the sideline in lincoln with tufts and and bobby pesaveno uh you know watching cu nebraska in the first half they piped us for 300 yards rushing and i'm telling you as a guy who played three technique at cu for a lot of years and sean played middle linebacker we both looked at each other and we said if you give up 300 yards rushing to nebraska especially in lincoln you're getting trucked and murdered, and they somehow won that game. I'm just I'm worried that Herm Edwards, who coached me as a rookie, I know his philosophies, he's going to line up after watching that and just hammer the ball and snap it at three seconds and hammer it again and snap it at three seconds and get Manny out of the pocket, and it's going to be that slow death that you're talking about. Yeah, and and but at the same time, you know, Colorado's got something special here. You know, this is this is a team that, uh, at least for right now you know, is sitting really pretty in the division. And this division is imminently winnable, imminently winnable. Yeah, they control their own destiny. I think they do win the division if they win Saturday. I like That's it. That's how big I think this game is. I, very, I like it a lot. Joel Klatt, thank you so much, brother, for coming on. McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network and giving us your college football insight and 
talking about Bus for Life and the, the initiatives that's going on there for mental health and all the work that they're doing up there and giving your thoughts on Colorado. And remember, calling Oklahoma and Texas this weekend, so tune in and listen to the best college football uh, color man in the business. He's not the best color man in the business for anything, Monty, is he? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love you, JK. Keep love it up. You, yeah, you bet. Later. Good one. And that was your interview with Mr. Joel Klatt, uh, the lead analyst for Fox Sports, my ex-teammate. Joel and I played together for a lot of years at CU. He was a two-time captain in 04 and 05, and I was a captain with him in 04. Uh, Joel's a great teammate and a great leader, a great man. Uh, you know, he's, he's done a hell of a job with the opportunity that he's gotten. He's ran with it. I think he's the best in the business at what he does, and that was some great insight into college football as a whole and what's going on with the refs and so on and so forth. So make sure you watch Red River Rivalry this weekend as Joel has Texas and Oklahoma on Fox. All right, so CU hosts Arizona State on Saturday. Now, CU's opponents are 1-16 up to this point. I'm concerned about that a little bit. I, I When I was at Lincoln with Sean Tufts and – Pesaveno, we were standing on the sideline watching the buffs in the first half, and yeah, they missed a lot of tackles, and yeah, there were some creases created, but Nebraska really gave it to us. They were right in our neck and, you know, putting their, their hat in the, the V of that neck and just moving people off the ball, and they, almost, they had damn near 300 yards rushing in the first half. Now, I can't believe that you can give up 300 yards rushing to Nebraska and win, but whatever. I'm glad they did. Arizona State last week against Oregon State repeatedly lined up with you know multiple tight ends motion a fullback on the field and just crushed Arizona State all right they can run the ball from spread they can run the ball from I formation they can run the ball from 12 personnel two tight ends one tailback they do a lot of motion a lot of point of attack double teams the guard pulls a lot they're very physical Arizona State is not going to be an easy game for the Buffs. This is a huge test. They're a three and two football team. They have NFL coaches all over the place. Herm Edwards was my coach when I was a rookie. I know how he thinks. He, I guarantee you, he didn't even watch the CSU game. It's irrelevant. It was a long time ago. It's the opener. It has nothing to do with this one. I guarantee you, he didn't watch the New Hampshire game. It's totally irrelevant. It's an FCS school. Who cares? But I damn, I damn sure tell, telling you he's watching the air, the UCLA game. He dissected that so he can try and figure out what we're doing offensively now four games into the season, how to stop LaVisca and Chanel, which I don't think you can, how to slow down number two, how to stop the run game, things of that nature, the motion patterns, if they can blitz Montez and, and make his life miserable, you know, how to how to break down the insane completion percentage. Steven Montez leading the country in completion percentage. He's 91 for 120 on the season. Good God. And then he's going to watch the Nebraska game because of the amount of rushing yards in the first half. Now, CU sewed it up in the second half and did a great job. I'm not harping on him or talking shit. I'm saying that Coach Edwards is going to look at that and go, okay, this is what we're going to build our, our, our foundation on here this week. We've got to run the football and control the time of possession, keep the explosive offensive unit off the field for Colorado, and do the same thing New Hampshire was doing. Limit possessions by controlling the play clock. New Hampshire was running the play clock down to five seconds, four seconds, three seconds, and then snapping the ball and getting whatever they get. But the possessions were taking forever, so it limited Colorado's opportunities in the first half. Arizona State's a much better team than New Hampshire, no doubt. 
and they're motivated. They're going to walk in here with a chip on their shoulder. CU's ranked. CU's undefeated. Nobody's talking about Arizona State. They know that they can, you know, get even in the division if they can find a way to win in Folsom. And the Buffs know that if they win this game, they're a full game up on everybody, and they're easily the South favorite. Going to USC, a team that CU's never beaten which is a huge game. So you can't overlook the, the Sun Devils here. They are going to come in here ready to go. Cole Cabral, the outstanding offensive lineman for Arizona State, draft pick. He's going he's gonna to go out there and get nasty with folks. I love Wilkins. I think he's a great player. I like the defense. They're, they're solid. All right, They're number one against the run in the, in the Pac-12 and top 10, I think, in the country. Um, they're very physical. They've adopted the NFL mindset that Antonio Pierce and Kevin Mawai and, of course, Herm Edwards has brought into Tempe. I know that there were a lot of skeptical people about the hiring. I wasn't one of them. I know I know who Herm is. Uh, those batteries are recharged. He can connect with the younger generation. So we'll see. The Buffs have got to get real big in the defensive line. This is a huge test for Javier Edwards. This is a huge test for Mustafa. This is a huge test for Drew Lewis and Nate Landman. This is going to be a slobber-knocking four-quarter war. All right? And CU is a slight favorite, and that's nice. I wouldn't be surprised if they win by a field goal. This is a, this is a rivalry game too, man. I mean, we I don't like Arizona State none too much. Uh, you know, I, I got uh, Sam Jones is my brother and a guy I've worked with my whole life, a guard for the Broncos. He's he's a Sun Devil. Uh, you know, th- there's going to be some definite shit talking going on there. We got Jake the Snake Plumber coming in next week to, to sit in on the show and be part of McChesney Unchained and talk shop. I guarantee you, we're going to talk about that game at this point or, or the the game in Folsom on Saturday. In that. Uh, circumstance. So, CU and Arizona State are going to go after each other in this ball game. And look, I'm not. I don't feel great about it. I just don't. For some reason, there's like this feeling of they're going to walk in and just give us different combinations of zone, power, counter, and trap, and seam us. And I don't know if Javier Edwards is a dog at the nose tackle position. I don't know. I, he has a lot to show me. He's done well to this point. The Nebraska game, the first half has me nervous because that's on tape. And it happened and everyone saw it. Uh, I, I'm going to pick the bus to win. There's no way I'm going to pick Arizona State to, to win in Folsom. I think the bus get it done by 3, 27-24, 26-23, something like that. Uh, 30-27. It's going to be a really tight game, though. And if they don't come ready to play, uh, they're going to get embarrassed. Because Arizona State, I watched them walk into Seattle, lose by 7. They could have won that game. They had it under control, and it got screwed up for them. So uh, this is going to be a really good football game, although I think the Buffs win. I like the jersey concepts, too. I like the all-black with the white helmets. I like the fact that they're rocking all-black a lot. So, uh, look... Next week, we'll have Coach Barnett on uh, to talk about this game and preview USC. So so hold on to your ass for that. I hope you like the interview with Joel Klatt. That's always fun. All right, so let's move away from, from college football here on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network and talk about the NFL. Now, the NFL preview, as always, comes to us from our friends at NeuroXPF.com, the incredible CBD-based medicine that we sell here at 6-0 Strength. We're the only place in Colorado that sells it. It's on the shelf. Uh, You can also go on NeuroXPF.com and type in promo code 6015, and it will give you a 15% discount on all products. Uh, Personally, I love the gel caps. Uh, The tinctures are awesome. It wakes me up mentally, you know, it keeps my joints lubricated and feeling good. And I personally think CBD is the future of medicine. 
and, and hopefully, hopefully the NFL and college football can adopt some of, of this and neuro XPF could be the tip of the spear in changing some of the problems that are out there when it comes to pain management and, you know, inflammation and everything, you know, being able to protect the brain as well. That's, that's kind of the whole point of neuro XPF. So go to neuroxpf.com and get yours. Uh, and try it out. If you're a parent and you're, you know, you're curious about it, go research it. There's no THC in it, and it's clean and it's healthy and it's, you know, it's a medicine that that your young athlete could benefit from. So check it out. NeuroXPF.com brings you the NFL preview for Week Five in the National Football League. Let's get straight into it. Uh, the Ravens and the Turds uh, kick it off here uh, on McChesney Unchained for the NFL preview. I think the Turds are playing well. They got screwed by the refs last week. It was the Ravens and the Raiders and the refs. Uh, that sucks, but it is what it is. The Ravens are playing out of their mind, winning at Pittsburgh. That defense is real. The offense is playing effective. Joe Flacco looks motivated. Uh, funny what drafting a quarterback in the first round does to a guy who you know was kind of lazy the last couple of years, looked a little fat last year, lost some weight, roping the ball. The Baltimore's real. I think that they're going to win the North, and they're going to be a real tough out. Don't talk to me about Cincinnati. Give me a fucking break. When Cincinnati wins a playoff game, I'll take them seriously. Until then, save it. Uh, Falcons and the Steelers. The Falcons and the Steelers are both underachieving. The Steelers have got real problems. The Falcons have got injury problems. Now, I think that if the Falcons can figure out some of their injury problems, they're going to be just fine, although it could be an 8-8 eight and eight type year in Atlanta. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are in trouble. Now, Le'Veon can come back in Week 7. That doesn't help Pittsburgh in Week 5. They're in Heinz Field. That place has no home field advantage anymore. No one's scared of that. Ridley and Julio Jones and Freeman and Matt Ryan and all those freaks and that big offensive line have got to be licking their chops to go after that Steeler defense. They are atrociously fucking terrible. Pittsburgh defense is just bad. Uh, Atlanta is going to go into Pittsburgh and get a W, and the Steelers are going to get three losses and a lame fucking tie, and they're going to be out of it, man. So I think Atlanta gets right and keeps their their hat in the in the ring, and I think Pittsburgh gets handled at home. I wouldn't be surprised if they start talking about firing Mike Tomlin. Tomlin could not be the coach there when Le'Veon comes back in Week Seven. So, Le'Veon, why are you coming back, dude? Just come back and sit on the bench, and then go somewhere else. You don't know Pittsburgh nothing. They owe you money last time I checked. Shit. All right, Raiders at the Chargers, the Carson City Chargers. Um, if both of these teams could lose, that'd be kick-ass, but I don't think we can make that happen. Um, Raiders got gifted a W last week. Funny how that works. They're a three-point uh, favorite, and Cleveland's about to win, and then all of a sudden the refs gift the Raiders two calls, and the Raiders win. Shocking. Uh, the Chargers came back against the Niners last week. They looked terrible doing it, but they did get the W, and that says a lot in this league. you got to be able to win when you don't have your best stuff. Um, the Chargers are going to win this ball game. They're at the the soccer stadium. I'm sure it'll be all black and silver because last week was all champion red and gold. There was no blue and white there at all. Uh, L.A. is a Rams town. There's no doubt about that. No one gives a shit about the Chargers there. But I do think they're going to beat the Raiders. The Raiders are in trouble. Uh, you know, They might be a one, two, three win team this year, and that's not what you're paying your head coach $10 million a year for, especially over 10 years. That's a real good contract, Mark Davis. It's almost as nice as your haircut. Shit. Uh, so, yeah, the Chargers, I'm sure that they'll get the W. 
Um, physical football team. They, Melvin Gordon's a really good player. Phillip Rivers is playing well. I'm taking the Chargers over the Raiders. Minnesota and Philadelphia in a rematch of the NFC title game in Philly. Um, Philly's up and down. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're getting everybody's best shot. Minnesota's up and down. Uh, they go from getting beat and throttled by, you know, the Bills at home. The Bills go and get shut out by Green Bay the next week. Minnesota, who are they? We don't know. Um, last weekend in L.A., their defense was getting ran through by by Cooper Cup and Goff and Gurley and, and the Rams and those boys. Uh, the Rams are real. Minnesota, I'm not saying they're not. Losing Everson Griffin to the freak out. Whatever happened there, I hope he gets healthy mentally. That's no joking matter, but, you know, that sucks for their team. It's a huge part in a captain that they're missing. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he's up and down. If he has to throw the ball as much as he did against Buffalo, they're not going to win. They're kind of – last year they were really good offensively because they ran the ball as much as they did because I don't think they believed in their quarterback as much. And now now that I see Case Keenan play more, I kind of understand what – Mike Zimmer was talking about. It's not just the outside, it's the inside. It's the, you know, without this, this, and this going on, he's really not that good. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but look, Kirk Cousins is being paid all that dough to be Aaron Rodgers. So they're going to throw the ball more and acclimate their offense a little bit. Plus, Pat Shermer's in, the, in New York now, not the OC for the uh, Vikings. So it's not going to be the same. That said, I think that the Vikings are going to lose at Philadelphia, and they're going to be looking up at the Packers and the Bears and even the shitty-ass Lions in that division wondering what the hell is going on. If they don't get it together pretty soon, that's going to be a whole lot of money spent on a quarterback that's got you at 7-9, and 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, not where Minnesota wants to be. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start clamoring for an offensive-minded head coach and it's Mike Zimmer and blah, blah, blah. It's just the nature of the NFL. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles there. They're going to be okay. The Eagles and their defense is stacked. They got to figure out what's going on at corner. Uh, the Mills kid just, I don't, he doesn't seem like he gives a shit, honestly. I'm sure that's not the case, but it seems that way. Uh, they get torched in the secondary a lot. They got to find some cleats that work. They're slipping all over the place, but their defensive front seven is real. They're, they got the best D line in football, the best D line coach in football, and Mr. Chris Wilson, who's an absolute monster of a coach. Uh, I, they still have Doug Peterson. They still have Carson Wentz. That offensive line is really good, although they've been a bit a, a little leaky this year, but they're still really good. They'll get it figured out. The Eagles, this is the kind of win that's going to propel them. I wouldn't be surprised if you look down and they're 9-3 and three, you know, in, in a month and a half. So uh, Philadelphia, I think they beat Minnesota. Uh, in Philly, that place is going to be rocking. All right, so Rams and the Seahawks, a nice little rivalry uh, in the – a or in the NFC West, the Rams are four and First time since '01, they won the Super Bowl in '01. They were six and that season before they lost. Uh, Goff is averaging eleven yards an attempt. Man, that is nuts. What the Rams are doing and what Sean McVay is doing right now is revolutionizing offensive football. The Ram, the the rules have revolutionized it, but now. McVay and the way he thinks and all the different combinations of personnel groupings and motion patterns and putting the defense in all these negative positions and understanding that defensively they're limited. They can only do so much. There's only so many coverages they can play. And usually, guys, if they're in man coverage these days and your quarterback can play, you better be really, really, really good at the cornerback position and you better be gloving people up and not missing tackles or you're going to get shredded in this league 
If you don't change it up consistently, if you play man coverage all the time, you're getting fucking diced. Minnesota got diced on Thursday night last week. The the Broncos got diced in crunch time playing man coverage. It happens. Look around the league. You're playing man coverage. If you don't have elite players at the corner position, if you only have one at the corner position that's elite, you're going to get chopped up, and that's what's happening all over the NFL. Um, Goff has a 70% completion percentage when they give him 2.5 seconds. That's ridiculous as well. The Rams are going to be a really tough out. I think that they're going to mop up the Seahawks. The Seahawks have got to be dejected after the Earl Thomas broken leg thing. I feel so bad for 29. It's a shitty situation, man. Russell Wilson, he's a great player, but he can only do so much. The offensive line is not great. The defensive line for the Rams is. Uh, They may be the best defensive line in football other than the Eagles. They might be 1A and 1B, honestly. Um, I think the Rams are going to win big in Seattle, although I think Seattle will use this as like a pride moment, like, hey, let's rise up and see if we can get a big upset. But I'm going to take the Rams on the road. They're real. Uh, It's a competition on offense to see who's going to win MVP, Goff or Gurley. All right, Cowboys and Texans, the battle for Texas. Um, I think the Texans, I'm talking about this game. Uh, this late into it on the Neuro XPF NFL wrap here on the uh, BSN Denver Podcast Network, McChesney Unchained, because this is going to be a great game to watch with my guys in the room because of the amount of quality defensive players in the front seven for Houston and the incredible offensive line and the incredible running game for the Dallas Cowboys. This is going to be a textbook game. It's going to be awesome. I wish that I could break this down on the top six for uh, uh, the, the six zero top six thing that we do on, on BSNDenver.com. Uh, my girl, Allie, thank you so much for all your hard work putting all that together and busting your ass. You're the best. Uh, Andre, thank you very much as well. Always want to make sure you guys get your love. Um, you know, yesterday we finished that up. It'll be posted today, the six zero top six at bsndenver.com, talking about the Broncos and the Chiefs. We've got six plays up. Go check it out. It's behind the paywall. You're going to have to subscribe, but trust me, it's worth it uh, very, very much so. So go check that out. I'll be posting it later in the day at BSN McChesney Unchained and at six zero strength on Twitter uh, to get more information. But this is another game that I might, you know, throw up there too as just like a bonus. Because, honestly, the, it's going to be a, a, a war in the trench. J.J. Watt, Clowney, uh, Whitney Merciless. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, McKinley, 55, the Mike linebacker for Houston, is outstanding. And then you've got Zach Martin and you've got Tyron Smith and all those guys from Dallas, plus Ezekiel Elliott and the way they run the ball in their scheme. It's going to be an awesome game. I don't know who's going to win, who gives a shit, but it's going to be a great game to watch if you love physical front seven football. So uh, keep your eye out on Cowboys and Texans. All right, Jacksonville and Kansas City. This is a preview of the AFC Championship game, maybe. Um, Did Denver blueprint how to slow down Pat Mahomes last week before they decided to just go, you know, man coverage and get really vanilla and not really run the ball anymore and then punt. And there was a lot of things that played into them coming back and winning. But before that, Denver kind of blueprinted how to slow them down. So I'm sure, I'm sure Jacksonville and their outstanding secondary with Jalen Ramsey and them boys, they're really fast linebackers with Smith and Miles Jack and then their monster defensive line with Campbell and Malik Jackson and God knows who else they got rolling in and out down there. That group is special, and they're putting a ton of pressure on people left and right. And Kansas City and Jacksonville, this is going to be a really good contest. Jacksonville's defense is their strength. 
Kansas City's offense is theirs. Jacksonville has a, has a competent quarterback that's okay at times, has gotten better and better as he's progressed as a pro and, and looks pretty good. I don't know if I trust him yet, but he looks pretty good. Um, but the Kansas City defense is very opportunistic, and they can apply pressure even though they will give up yards and points. The, the tackles for Jacksonville are not great. The pass rushers for Kansas City are. Consequently, you look at Kansas City, their strength is their, is their you know, quarterback play and their offensive line. Jacksonville's defensive line and their defensive secondary is their strength. So this is a this is a good on good game. This is the game of the weekend, in my opinion. I wish this was flexed to Sunday night or Monday night. Honestly, um, I'd much I'd lo- I'd love to watch this game. Uh, Mahomes is going to be tested again. He was tested last week and passed it. I, I'm sure he's he's going to have to try and test this or pass this test as well. Jacksonville's real. Uh, these two teams are going to see each other in the playoffs, and honestly, this game is so huge because it could determine who's going where. Yeah, are we going to sunny Florida to have a 65-degree playoff game, or are we going to Kansas City to have a 5-degree playoff game? Which one? So, honestly, I think I'm going to take uh, Jacksonville in this game. I think Kansas City gets their first L of the year. No one's going undefeated. Uh, and I think Jacksonville you know, finds a way to blueprint how to beat Kansas City a little bit. And this is that... Remember, you know, a couple of shows ago, I was talking about the downturn. Eventually, Mahomes will slow down. Teams will start playing him better. He'll start playing in division more, and the temperature will drop. Well, that's what's happening. He's playing better teams. He played a team in division. They know each other. He didn't have an unbelievable game from a stat perspective, although they won, so on and so forth. So I'm going to take Jacksonville over Kansas City. I think Kansas City gets their first L, and it allows Denver to gain some ground there as long as they can take care of business against the Jets on the road. All right, so straight into it. Broncos against Jets. They go from the last game of the weekend on Monday Night Football, uh, getting done after all that emotion drained and, and a loss and how shitty it feels, to going to be the first game of the weekend in New York on the road at 11 a.m. So that's 9 a.m. here. Um, so I hate that. I don't like that the NFL set the schedule up like that, but it is what it is. You got to acclimate and adapt. It's an opportunity for the team to see if they can consistently play the way they played last week. Can they show up with the same kind of intensity and aggressive nature and that same kind of, you know, we have to have this game mentality because if they do, they're going to beat the shit out of the jets. Sam Donald has never seen anything like this defense when they're motivated. My problem now, after seeing how hard that team played against Kansas City, now I have an issue. Because why in the fuck haven't they played like that forever? Why do they pick and choose effort when they, when they want to play hard and when they don't? Why don't they have that same kind of drive and intensity every week? Is VJ, does he change week to week as a coach? Is he up and down? Because coaches have to remain the same all the time. Or the players are always on a roller coaster. So that's the only thing I can come up with. It's got to go full circle back to the coaching staff. And all that goes back to the head man. It, look, I, I'm not mad at VJ for anything. I don't think he needs to be fired or nothing. He's doing a fine job. I just need the Broncos to play like the team I saw on Monday night every week. And if they can't do that, they have to find somebody that's going to motivate them to do it. Because they're too talented and the windows in the NFL close too fast for them not to sell out every weekend. And I'm not saying they they play soft or anything, but 
if everyone's talking about the difference in mentality and the difference in intensity and the difference in the way the defense looked and how hard everyone was playing, that's good. It's good that they're playing that hard, but it's also a shitty thing that everyone notices that they are. Shouldn't they be all the time? It's got to be fixed. I don't know how you just fix it you know, out of the blue, but it, again, that's Vance Joseph's job, not mine. It's Joe Wood's job, not mine. They've got it. Do I think they need get, to get more creative defensively? Yeah, but they did last week. You'll see it on the 6-0 top six, and you'll see it if you watch the game again. They were coming from all over the place. Yeah, they're blitzing their asses off. They were just not executing. The 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 play by Pat Mahomes that we break down on, on BSN, uh, Denver.com, the 6-0 top six, you're going to have to go watch it. But that play where he throws it left hand is nuts. But if you watch the play, you'll see why it happened. You'll see exactly why it happened. It was so preventable, and it wasn't prevented because of a rookie mistake. So the Broncos have an opportunity here to go beat up on a team that's trying to find themselves with a rookie quarterback, get right offensively, run the goddamn ball. I don't know how I can reiterate this anymore. Stop trying to act like we have a top 15 quarterback and understand that we have a bottom 15 quarterback that is very serviceable if he's not asked to do everything. Watch the way Minnesota played last year, even without their top running back, and just hammer the fucking rock and keep doing it. I don't know why they stopped running the ball last week. Connor McGovern, Billy Turner, the Cowboy Matt Paradis, and Ron Leary, Hireman and Janovich, the human hammer, Andy Janovich, were absolutely annihilating people at the point of attack. All right? Connor McGovern is, is pro football focus highest ranked offensive lineman at the guard position in football. In football. That is fucking big time, 60. That is development, brother. That's why we grind, homie. Pro football focus is real, man. They don't just, you know, make shit up. So run the ball behind 60, all right? It seems like Billy Turner is going to play and play a lot, and he should. Billy should be the starter at right tackle. And I say this all the time, and I'll say it again. If Billy wouldn't have gotten hurt last year and broke his hand, they wouldn't have even had to go get Jared Valdir. McGovern, overall guards up to this point. 2018, he's graded out at 81.1, number one in the NFL. Roger Saffel from the Rams is next at 84. Will Hernandez from the Giants at 79.3. Austin Austin Blythe at 76-9, and Zach Martin, the great Zach Martin from the Cowboys at 75-4. So Connor's out playing all those guys. Just saying. That's how we roll. Proud of you, bro. Keep it up. Run the ball behind Billy Turner and Connor McGovern. They were crushing people on double teams, shelving them over and and seaming them. Not only that, but they're, they're good at all three types, or all four, all five. Rico double teams, quick double teams, post double teams, heavy double teams. Killing it. I love the variety in the run game. Keep running the football. Get Garrett Bowles figured out. 72's got to get his shit together. And they've, look, if the Jets can do anything, they can play up front. Mike Pinnell can play. Another member of the Dungeon family. I'm really looking forward to watching 98 and watching 60 battle it up. We're looking forward to watching Billy Turner and 98 battle it up. They all train together in here at 6-0. I'm really looking forward to that. Can't wait. 
They can play up front. Leonard Williams is a dog. They got dudes. They can rush the passer. They got some good players in the secondary. If Denver doesn't go in there with the same ferocity and intensity they played with on Monday night, the Jets are going to get right, and they're going to win a game, and it's going to be an upset, or it's going to be way closer than it's supposed to be. And even if they win, it's going to be super negative because everyone can see the fact that they're going to struggle against good competition. You need to go kick the shit out of the Jets in this football game. Go run the ball 50 times if you have to on the road to control the clock and keep them off the field and just hammer the Jets down. Just run it over and over and over and over again. Take the stress off your left tackle. Chip to him. Slide to him. Whatever you got to do. Spit in his ear. Tickle his nuts. I don't give a shit. Just get him motivated. If you hired a tackle coach, coach him. Go coach him. Don't allow him to just say say yes, sir, and shake his head. Grab him by the scruff of his neck and say, brother, we got to fix this. I know you want to. Let's fix it. I will say it again, and I'll keep screaming it from the treetops. I can help you, 72. Come in. We've talked. Let's go, bro. The Broncos have the makings of being a very dominant offensive line. I saw it on Monday Night Football. They were kicking the shit out of Kansas City. Kansas City's got pros up front. They're not scrubs. They can do that to anybody, man. I truly believe that. Phil Lindsay and Freeman, unbelievable job on Monday night running the football. Great work. They should have had 20 carries each instead of 10. With that kind of yards per carry average, I disagree when, when I hear things like from Vance when he says, you run the ball to gain yard, or you run the ball to control the clock, you throw the ball to score points. I, what? You throw the ball to gain chunk yardage. But in the red zone, I'm pretty sure you ran a gator play for a touchdown. I'm pretty sure that I've seen Phil Lindsay score. So who gives a shit how you score? Change it up. The run game is is being phased out because of fantasy football. If you run the football and play defense, the rules of football are still the same. You're going to win. More than you lose. And I'm telling you, if the Broncos go on the road and they and they adopt the run the way they should, the way they can run it, with that kind of yards per carry average and the explosive young backs they have and the the lightning in a bottle from the left guard over, Ron Leary, Matt Paradis, Connor McGovern, and Billy Turner can play. Watch 77 go ball. If they can, uh, if they can just get behind those hosses and get behind 32 and hammer the rock, Play action shots are going to be huge, and you're going to have the same kind of success you had in that, or that Case Keenan will have the same success he had in Minnesota in Denver, because that's what he needs to be successful in this league. Period. So, can the Broncos recover from Monday night's monstrosity and letdown? Yes. Is this the perfect game to recover on? Yes. Do they need to get right quick? Yes. Why? Because the fucking Rams come into town next week. That's why. They need to go out and get right. Or the Ram game is going to be a, a it's going to be laughable. People are going to be like, wow. And it's on national TV. Aikman and Buck have got the call. So this is a get right game. The defense needs to go get right. They need to get to the quarterback, not chase him. They need to get interceptions and fumbles, not try and create them. They need to make it happen. There are a lot of missed tackles, a lot of missed opportunities to get Kansas City beat last Monday night, and and the Broncos can't 
allow can't or can't allow the Jets to hang around and a young quarterback and Sam Darnold to have any kind of success if they go into the Met life and and continue to struggle tackling and continue to struggle with effort and finishing. Do I think the Broncos want to win? Absolutely, I do. Do I think they have the tools to do so? Very much so. They've got to figure out the disconnect between what the coaches are looking for and the players. Because I think everyone's playing hard, and if everyone's playing hard, they need to do it consistently, number one. So that needs to be figured out. We can't have any more of these laps in, in, in uh, effort. You can't look like Superman on one outing and then on the next outing like, wow, what the hell happened to these guys? This, they look like Clark Kent here. Look like Tarzan, play like Jane. Can't do that. So have the same mentality you had Monday night defensively. Go hit New York with the same kind of overload blitz packages you were throwing at them. Go out there and show them more radar looks with multiple pass rushers. Show them more coverage and blitzing, man man coverage looking like it's zone, zone coverage looking like it's man. Change it up. It's a He's a rookie quarterback. If you can confuse Mahomes, you damn sure can confuse Sam Darnold. He'll throw you the rock immediately. This is an opportunity to get right. I hope the Broncos do. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Episode 8 of McChesney Unchained here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Remember to follow the show at BSN McChesney Unchained on Twitter. Uh, follow the gym at six zero strength on Twitter and Instagram six zero strength.com is the website for any and all training needs. Uh, go check it out. Thank you to neuroxpf.com and wearbands.com. Check out both products, amazing products that we sell here at six zero strength. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Thanks for listening everybody. Episode eight is a wrap. Uh, episode nine comes to you next week. We'll see you after a big buff and Bronco win, hopefully. So we're out from 